If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. As a therapist, my goal is always to be giving people the tools to ask themselves those questions because, you know, the epiphanies that we have are the most impactful when we figure it out ourselves and it's not someone telling us what to do. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. I don't know about you, but it seemed like as soon as the clock hit midnight and champagne popped to welcome the year of 2022, that same champagne was quickly dumped down the drain to signal the start of dry January. Women and men were evaluating their relationship with alcohol and decided to take a month off from cocktails. The conversation around sobriety is more present now than ever, and this guest will have you thinking about your own habits along with the mental health considerations that come with it. Amanda E. White is a licensed therapist and the creator of a super popular Instagram account, Therapy for Women. It's a great follow. And recently, she's been examining and educating on the topic of sobriety. But her work extends far beyond that. Amanda is dedicated to making therapy accessible and serving women with mental health resources through her therapy practice and online. By the end of this episode, you might be thinking about your own relationship with alcohol and sobriety, your own mental health, And you'll gain some actionable advice for accessing the therapy that's right for you, whatever your goals might be. Here she is, Amanda E. White. I've been taking tons of walks with Baby Quinn lately, and it's always a great time for podcasts. Thankfully, I've got a ton of new shows to listen to from the HubSpot Podcast Network, just like My First Million, hosted by Sam Parr and Sean Purry. My First Million features famous guests, digs into how companies made their first million, and brainstorms new business ideas based on the hottest trends and opportunities in the marketplace. They've covered topics like why the next big social media network will be on the blockchain, companies of one that make millions, and three patterns for great business ideas. Listen to My First Million and all the HubSpot Podcast Network shows wherever you get your podcasts. 
Amanda, welcome to the Gold Digger Podcast. I am so excited to have you on this show. And I feel like we both fangirled when we were connecting in Instagram comments. And I was like, I would die to have you on the show. So I'm so glad this has become our reality. Thank you so much for having me. I feel the same. I'm so excited to, you know, it's one thing to follow someone on Instagram, but it's another to chat with them in real time. Well, I cannot wait. So we are going to cover some very unique topics, topics that we haven't covered on the podcast before, and I'm really excited to go there with you. But before we dive on in, I really would love to hear a little bit about your journey and kind of how you got to where you find yourself today. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you all that don't know me, I'm Amanda White. Uh, You might know me on Instagram as Therapy for Women. I know Jenna introduced me. But essentially, I am a licensed therapist. I'm also an author and I am a sober individual. I've been sober for about seven and a half years now. And I was someone who has kind of always struggled with my mental health. And I saw a lot of therapists growing up who I didn't connect with. And when I finally found one that I did, it was so life-changing that I kind of promised myself that if I could do that for other people, that would just be the most amazing job. So I was able to do that. I went back to school and became a therapist. And when I started my practice, I noticed, you know, Instagram was really becoming big then. And I kind of, I'm someone who is a bit of an introvert in that I don't like going to networking events or talking to tons of people at the same time. And I was noticing that there was like, you know, Instagram had such great content coming out. And I really wanted to be able to share things that could help people either in between therapy sessions or just be a support for them if they've never thought about therapy. And that's how I started my account. And it kind of just grew from there. And I specialize really in helping women set boundaries, change their relationship with alcohol, and really create lives that they love. I love that your experience led to a passion, which led to a career, which I think kind of is the dream for a lot of people. And I'm curious how the focus of your work has shifted as you've kind of evolved as a human being. Yeah, that's such a great question because I do feel like I went from kind of being someone who was just starting my practice to being someone who kind of really built a platform. So I feel like my work has shifted in as I've gotten older. You know, I started my account before I was married, when I was single, when I was just newly sober and kind of exploring that. And as I've gotten older and my life has changed and I've become a business owner and an author, you know, it's really funny because I followed you for a long time and I always knew that you used to say things kind of like you want a brand, not a business. And I feel so grateful that I've done that because as my work has shifted, as I've talked more about like alcohol, as I've had this book come out and stuff like that. It's shifted what I talk about and shifted my perspective on what I share. I love that so much. And I was recently just talking to someone about this and they were like, how have you been able to pivot so many times? And it's like, people care about the person. And I don't know if it's the same for you, Amanda, but when you're in a room and somebody's passionate about something, even if you 
even if it's like fly fishing and you're like, I've never fly fished in my life, nor do I want to. If someone's passionate about it, it's like that passion is contagious. And I think people will follow that passion. So I just love that you've been able to have your business and your brand evolve with you because I think part of being a human is being a student and changing and growing. And I think a lot of times we don't invite that into our world as much as we should. I totally agree. And I think, right, to be human is to change, is to evolve. And I think we can get kind of stuck talking about the same thing. And one of my favorite parts of being on Instagram is I read something or I discover something with a client or something I'm working on myself. And then that changes and informs what I teach, how I show up. And I think that's what keeps it interesting. Yes. I love that. So one thing that was really fascinating, and I'd love to hear kind of your take on it, is I feel like as 2022 began, dry January participation seemed bigger than ever this year. And I'm just curious, we've touched a little bit on your sobriety and feel free to go into if there's any story or events that kind of led you to speak about that and share about that. But why do you think culturally, this is something that has happened as we've entered the new year? Yeah, I think there are a couple things going on at the same time. I think that it's been a big shift that's been slowly coming, but absolutely this year, I agree. I've seen Dry January promoted more than ever before. I've also seen so many new types of companies that have popped up that are selling, you know, like alcohol free beverages. Mocktails are becoming a much bigger thing, which has been really exciting. But I think it's it's a couple things. I mean, I think the pandemic has really impacted people found themselves drinking a lot more. So I think more people are in a place where they're kind of recognizing that maybe cutting back on their drinking or questioning it is something that they're interested in that they haven't been before. And the other thing that's happened at the same time is over the past 15 years, Big alcohol companies have recognized that women especially were kind of an untapped market. So they started advertising to women directly to try to get them to consume more alcohol. And as a result, more women than ever have been drinking before. And I think more women are realizing that this isn't, you know, helpful. And we've learned more about the science of alcohol and really how it can really negatively impact our mental health, essentially. And even thinking about mommy wine culture, I often talk about how moms are often kind of sold the idea that alcohol is the solution to stress, right? Instead of childcare and boundaries and things that we really know will nourish us long-term. I think that's so fascinating. And I think it's also something that can subconsciously happen without us even paying attention in terms of like the promotion or the language or even just the way that it's spoken about or shared about. And I really do think that is fascinating to look at the last few years and how so many habits went out the door and how socialization shifted and how, I mean, just our lives shifted in the ways that we cope has shifted. And I really think that's interesting. I mean, we all know kind of in a, in a way that alcohol impacts our health, but can you share some of the more surprising things about drinking and sobriety from a mental health perspective? Because I think that that is something you can uniquely do. Yes. And I think it's something that I'm really passionate about people knowing about because I think we do talk about how, oh, we know, you know, alcohol can negatively impact our liver and 
it's linked to some cancers and things like that. But one thing we don't talk about is how even having just one drink shifts and causes a change in your brain and can impact your mental health. So one thing that I really like to share and educate about is that we often will drink for stress relief, to feel better, you know, to kind of wind down at the end of the day. But what happens is when you take that drink, it's a depressant and your body and your brain always want to be in homeostasis. So what happens is your body kind of produces anxiety chemicals, essentially, including cortisol, to bring you back into homeostasis, to bring you back into balance. And then what happens is you digest the alcohol. It leaves your system, but you're left with those anxiety hormones. And it's really why the next day often you feel like that concept has kind of been created, anxiety. You can feel anxious the next day. So it's not only can you get anxiety because you're like, what did I do? What did I say? Maybe I wasn't myself, but also even just chemically in your brain, you're more likely to feel more anxious the next day. So if you're someone who has anxiety or depression or is prone to it already, it's a really important thing to know so that you can make informed decisions. And that's really what I'm all about. I think that's fascinating. And it's so interesting. Drew and I recently went on one of our first dates without both of our daughters. And obviously I hadn't drank through my entire pregnancy and hadn't really drank after. And we were having a good old time together, the (laughs) two of us. And it was just funny how we woke up the next day being like, oh, that was not worth it. Or like, we just both felt off like physically, energetically. And I mean, we talk about a lot of those things, but I think it is so important too to look at those chemicals and the imbalances and things that it can do mentally beyond just regret or remorse the next day. Exactly. And I think if you aren't aware of it, sometimes we don't even put those pieces together that there is a reason why we don't feel great the next day. And I think the other really cool thing with the rise of mocktails, you know, it's like, My husband drinks, and it's really interesting to see how we talk about alcohol and how sometimes he'll have a mocktail with me if we're like out at a restaurant. And it's so interesting how sometimes it's not even about the alcohol that we want. We can, I know for myself, it's like if I have a sparkling water or something in a champagne glass or a wine glass, it's like somehow that can still fulfill that purpose. It feels special sometimes. So I'm all about to like experimenting because a lot of times we feel that stress relief before we even finish that, that glass of alcohol we have. It's really more about the cultural narrative that this is what's fun. This is what de-stresses us. And we don't often have an opportunity sometimes to kind of ask ourselves and reflect, is this really worth it? Like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. When I was pregnant, I would have like little bits of kombucha in champagne glasses. And I was like, here we go, (laughs) which is so fun. And I think what's so interesting to one of my good friends, Lori, she came over the other night and I was like, oh, we have stuff for margaritas. And she's like, I'm actually not drinking right now. And a lot of times culturally, we feel like we need to follow that up with an explanation. And for women, it's like you automatically are assumed to be pregnant or something like that. 
And it's like, wait, why can we like, if someone said, I'm sorry, I'm not eating pizza tonight. You don't need to give like a five paragraph essay on why you're not choosing to eat pizza. So why do we do that with alcohol? What are some of the stigmas kind of that you've seen around alcohol, specifically when people choose to stop drinking? Yeah. So this is really why I wrote the book, because I've noticed, especially when I work with my clients too, in therapy, right? The whole point of therapy is to be able to look at all the different things you're doing in your life, question your relationships, your habits, anything so that you can kind of discover what's serving you and what's not. And where I ran into trouble was a lot of times I would ask my clients about their alcohol use And the immediate response was, well, I'm not an alcoholic. And I think that really just speaks to the narrative in our culture that the only real reason that you would question your relationship with alcohol or not drink is either you're pregnant if you're a woman or, you know, you have a problem with alcohol because everyone else is just assumed to drink and there would be no other possible reason for you not to drink. So I think it creates this weird dichotomy where people, because our culture says everyone should drink unless you have a problem, Yes, it almost makes people feel like, well, I can't not drink or I can't question my relationship with alcohol because then I'm admitting that I have a problem or something like that. It's fascinating. I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this, but Drew and I watch really trashy television And we watch this TV show called Summer House on Bravo. Yes. And one of the lead characters, Carl, this season is sober. And I told Drew the other night, I was like, I am so proud of him for going on this show that is very much centered around drinking and partying because he's giving people like this beautiful permission to one, practice sober living. And I mean, I think it's risky what he's doing, being in that environment. And obviously he had to be prepared to be in that environment and knew what he was getting into. But I was like, this is my favorite version of him yet. And it's just interesting because I think oftentimes in the media or on TV, so much of drinking just happens. It's kind of like those old like cigarette ads in magazines that you'd flip through without necessarily acknowledging, but it's still imprinting in your brain. And so I just think it's really fascinating. And one of the things that I love about what you do and how you show up is that I think you invite people to ask themselves questions. So you're not necessarily preaching, you're teaching through your work, but you're also offering this invitation. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, hmm, like how is my relationship with alcohol? And is this something I should potentially be paying attention to or just noticing? What tips do you have for somebody in that phase of the game? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it is really what I try to do. I mean, as a therapist, my goal is always to be giving people the tools to ask themselves those questions because we know that, you know, the epiphanies that we have are the most impactful when we figure it out ourselves and it's not someone telling us what to do. I think I'll say the first question to not ask yourself that stops people is asking the question, am I an alcoholic or do I have a problem with alcohol? And that's normally where people go first. And instead, my recommendation of where to start is, would my life be better without alcohol or if I drank less? 
because I think that opens up the conversation so much to letting you kind of figure out how does it impact me? How does it impact my relationships, you know, my sleep, my boundaries, my mental health, all of these different facets in the same way that we would maybe question how does, you know, something else in our life impact other things. All right, 2022, slow your roll. Q1, it flew by and it was such a different season for my business. I was on maternity leave. I announced my first book, How Are You Really? And my team and I kept the business running through another winter of uncertainty. How are you feeling after the start of the year? Are you ready to take on Q2 and really put your head down on strategies and systems for growth this year? Well, HubSpot is here to help you with an easy to use CRM platform that aligns your business and delivers a seamless experience for your customers. Other CRMs can be cobbled together, but HubSpot is carefully crafted in-house for businesses just like yours. Its purpose-built suite of operations, sales, and marketing tools work together seamlessly so that you and your team can focus on what really matters, your customers. With features like team email, you can turn incoming emails into tickets or send them straight into your shared inbox so no more questions can slip through the cracks. You can even take your business to go with the HubSpot mobile app. Learn how to grow better by connecting your people, your customers, and your business at HubSpot.com. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. One thing I am so curious about is beyond your work in sobriety education, which is really just like one facet of your work and how you show up. You are dedicated to making therapy more approachable, which you were just kind of talking about is how do you get people thinking and inviting in those internal dialogues? And I'm curious because we've kind of talked about this space we're finding ourselves in in these last few years. What have you seen change when it comes to mental health awareness and kind of like the overall public opinion on therapy? Yeah, I think what's interesting is that therapy has become a lot more accessible, a lot more talked about. I mean, with the pandemic, I think it has been really interesting that there was a cultural shift of people talking about therapy, talking about needing mental health. I mean, even if we look at, right, like the Olympics and Simone Biles, like 
such a huge step forward in kind of normalizing mental health and stuff like that. So I've seen such a big positive shift in that aspect. I think on the other side, I think one thing that I am concerned about or I've seen is because there's so much information on social media about therapy, about potential diagnosing and things Mm. like that, especially Mm. what I see on TikTok and stuff like that, is it can kind of create this dynamic where people worry they have more mental health issues than they do, or they can kind of start to outsource their intuition, their beliefs, and start to feel like maybe this person knows that I have a mental health issue, even if I don't. Mm. So that's a big part of my work. It's why I really try to frame myself as more of, I'm a therapist who also has struggled with their mental health. I believe in therapy and social media is not a substitute for therapy. It can be really helpful, but at the end of the day, my goal is to to support people in getting that individualized mental health support because you know, I mean, as a therapist, I'm talking to thousands of people and I say often, right, I share about things or I say things that if I were in an individual session with a client, I might never talk to them about because I tailor that session to them. So I think that's an important thing for people who maybe have never been to therapy, but have seen a lot of kind of therapy content on social media. Uh, I think that's so powerful. And there really is no one size fits all. So it's challenging as educators to share your own personal experience along with your expertise, but acknowledging that everyone has a unique situation. It's kind of a tricky place to be in. It is. It's definitely it's definitely tricky. And I feel like sometimes I'm better at it than others. <laughs> <laughs> so you just talked about this individualized approach, and that's generally what therapy looks like offline. And you also shared about how as a kid, you had a lot of experience with different therapists that weren't the right fit. So how does somebody figure out first if therapy is right for them? And second, how do they begin to seek therapy in a way that will help them with whatever they're facing? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the one thing that I'll start with saying is that I really believe that therapy can benefit anyone. You don't need to be in a crisis to benefit from therapy. Obviously, there are a lot of issues with therapy not being accessible to everyone. And that's, you know, a whole nother issue. But I think the best thing I can say if someone's wondering whether they could benefit from therapy is asking themselves, could I benefit from having a neutral person who can help me kind of meet my goals, help me understand myself better? That's really one of the biggest goals of therapy is to help you understand yourself, understand what motivates you, what your strengths are, you know, help you in navigating what you want to change, where you want to grow, which is why I really think we could all kind of benefit from it if it's something that you're interested in. And to answer your second question, I think really one of the most important things with, because like I said, I had a lot of therapists who weren't good fits for me. And the most important factor we know based on research that makes a therapeutic relationship effective is the relationship they have with that person. So it's how comfortable you are with your therapist, whether you feel like you can be honest with them and they can be honest with you. Not that therapy is fun, but whether yeah. you, you know, you enjoy their 
who they are on some level and you really feel comfortable. So in terms of looking for a therapist, I think, I mean, I think social media can be a great resource in finding therapists if you find one you connect with or someone, you know, like myself who has a practice, if you vibe with their modality and what they're about, that can be a really great way. I also think if you want to, you can start with just like Googling therapists near me, look at their, you know, websites, look at their blogs, look at if they're on social media and think about questions that you might want to ask them because you have a right to also interview your therapist and ask them questions to see if they're a good fit for you. And you have a right to say, this is something I need. Like you have a right to say, I want a therapist who's older than me, or I want a therapist that, you know, believes in this thing. You have a right to kind of make therapy work for you. I love that you say that because I think a lot of times in life, we always, especially if you're the consumer or the patient, a lot of times we forget that we do have the right to advocate for ourselves and ask those types of questions. And I think there is with maybe this current generation, there's this new wave of encouragement and empowerment around advocating for yourself and what you need. And I just think a lot of times when it comes to things like therapy or stuff like that, you almost forget that this isn't just a one-way relationship, that it needs to be that two-way street. And I think that's a really powerful reminder. Yes, exactly. And if it's, you know, if the therapist isn't the right fit, even if you don't know why, you know, you just might not jive with them. You have a right to find another therapist. So one thing I want to know is, What sort of options exist for someone whose budget doesn't allow for therapy? I know you kind of touched on its inaccessibility to everyone, which is a large issue when it comes to therapy, but what other options are out there? So one thing that you can do is look into therapy practices that have interns. Like my practice, for example, has interns that are master's degree students that are supervised and they see clients at more affordable rates. Another thing you can do is look into counseling programs, like whether that's at your school or at a local community college or just college in general. A lot of times they might have more affordable options or things like that. Another one of my really favorite resources is there's a company called Open Path Collective. I don't work for them. I'm not connected to them in any way, but they really help people who don't have health insurance be connected with licensed therapists who are starting their own private practices, which I think is just a phenomenal resource. So those are a couple of things off the top of my head. I think that's amazing. One thing I'm super curious about just from your own perspective, but with the rise of mental health awareness and therapy becoming more accessible, kind of with the shift of everything being forced to go digital, Have you found that it is a benefit or a detriment to your practice in that like some people literally can get therapy through text messaging or through video chatting or through phone calls? I'm just curious because I feel like body language has to be important. And like I am a big energy, like I can just sense people's energy if I'm in a room with them. And so what are your thoughts on that just out of curiosity? Yes, this is a controversial topic, Jenna. But <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. No, no worries. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I feel torn, to be totally honest, right? Like, I love video sessions. They've done really good research on video sessions being just as effective as in person. 
Obviously, people might have a personal preference for in-person versus video and things like that. I think texting is really difficult. I think that, again, I'm always someone who wants to look at accessibility and wants to meet people where they are. But I think that there are just some ethical considerations that can just get messy with, you know, the goal of therapy is for someone to be empowered and be able to eventually not be dependent on a therapist. And what can get a little sticky with something like texting is that if someone kind of, right, if I have a therapy session with someone, it is a certain time we meet and then we don't talk again until the next time we meet, where texting in terms of boundaries and things like that can get a little messy in terms of if you can talk to them outside of office hours or what exactly looks like a session. So I have some trouble with that just in terms of the efficacy and just the research around it isn't great. But yeah, it is. I mean, I'm still very for kind of if someone tells me that works for them and I heard that long term it made a difference, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I just worry about boundary issues and really therapy at the end of the day is a relationship. It's a relationship between the therapist and the client. And it's really hard to establish an authentic relationship via text messaging when you don't ever see that person, see their body language like you were talking about. I think tone is really, really hard to decipher through texting. Oh, I think that, I mean, that makes total sense to me from so many different standpoints. And I am someone who has such strict boundaries of like phone use for business things. And so I can also see too how it just pulls people out of their lives or it becomes a crutch instead of an empowerment discussion. So totally get that. I just think it's so interesting because nowadays, you know, because there are so many different mediums, it can be more inviting and introductory for people. But I feel like that shouldn't be the end goal for someone. Maybe a great introduction, but a great buildup for what else is available for them. I love that. I think that's exactly kind of the most effective way that it can work, whether it's an introduction because you see someone on Instagram or on social media and you see like, oh, this is a therapist who I connect with and she shares about therapy or they share about therapy and maybe it's a little less scary. I think that's a great introduction. But especially if we're talking about things like trauma and mental health issues and like deep stuff, it's really, really hard to get into that through text messaging or without kind of having some type of live interaction. I love that. So I want to know, you know, we've navigated out of January. We're already entering quarter two pretty quick of this year. What are some ways that if people are listening to this and they kind of want to take on that energy or that momentum of another fresh start and maybe look at their drinking or their mental health or things, how can we kind of take this episode and your teachings, and maybe ask ourselves a few questions that will help us see where we're at and where we need to go or what resources we need to utilize in order to move forward in this year with a new way. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. I think in general, people can fall into the trap in January of thinking they will maybe wake up a different person or there's something magical about January. And there isn't any, I mean, it can be great if it's something that, that supports you and, and helps you feel like it's a clean slate, 
But I also really want to encourage people that if you're feeling like you want to change, you can change, you know, at any time. It doesn't need to be a Monday. It doesn't need to be the beginning of the month. It's really it's really what you create and what you decide. So I think, I mean, I think doing something like taking a break from drinking is really a, an amazing way to kind of look at your mental health because when you take that break from drinking, you may start to realize all the places where you're kind of relying on alcohol to regulate your emotions or sometimes we drink to ignore that boundary we don't want to set or, you know, we don't have to engage in putting in that effort to do some self-care because we're just going to, you know, pour ourselves a glass of wine. So I think that is one really incredible way. I mean, my book, Not Drinking Tonight, really can walk you through that process. And I say in my book that it's, my goal is not to convince anyone to not drink. It's really just to give someone the tools so that they can question their relationship with alcohol and help them get some informed consent around their drinking. And it can be an exercise in helping them see what those areas of their life they might be overly relying on alcohol or any unhealthy behavior that's not serving them. Yeah. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's amazing. Amanda, is there anything else that you want us to know about sobriety or mental health or therapy before we end this amazing conversation? I think sobriety can be something that people get very scared of. The words can be overwhelming and scary. And I think just remembering that 
I mean, all of life in general, right? Change in general happens one moment, one choice at a time. And that looks like we can get so overwhelmed by, I want to stop drinking or I want to change my life or, right, I want to start a business. I want to improve my mental health. And if we can break that down into smaller bites, into smaller choices, into smaller ideas, I think it can make it so much less overwhelming and make it so much easier for us to change. So that's kind of, I think, my biggest thing is break down your big goals or your big ideas into smaller bite-sized things because the truth is change happens in small moments. We don't just go from zero to 100. It happens in those, you know, day by day, hour by hour choices. I love that. Where can everybody find you and connect with you, learn more about you, your work, your practice, your book? Give us everything. So you can follow me on Instagram at Therapy for Women. I've also ventured onto TikTok (laughs) if you want to find me there. (laughs) My book, like I said, it's called Not Drinking Tonight, A Guide to Creating a Sober Life You Love, and it is available everywhere books are sold. And then my practice, I have a practice that's based in Philly. We have two locations there, but we also have therapists licensed across the country. So if you are interested, if you live in another state, we currently serve about 17 states. You can visit our website at therapyforwomencenter.com. We really try to take an approach that's not intimidating, that's relatable. And I, you know, really do my best to hire and train therapists who are not only amazing, but will really be there for you and be unintimidating in their work with you. Amazing. Amanda, I am so thankful for this conversation and I'm just so thankful for the work that you do. I know it has impacted me and made me pause and ask some big questions. And I just want you to know that everything you do makes a difference. So thank you so much for coming on the Gold Digger podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. I loved that conversation with Amanda. And I just think it's something that's really good to think about. I was telling her as we signed off today that, you know, after being pregnant for a year and really focusing on my health for the months leading up to pregnancy, it was almost a full year before I had a single alcoholic beverage. And it's interesting now to be able to drink and just think about what does that relationship look like? And why am I doing this? Is this a release? Is this to numb something? Is it social? Is it to celebrate? And I just think it's a really interesting conversation to have with other women, but also to have with ourselves. So I hope that today's conversation leaves you feeling empowered and excited and curious about who you are and who you're becoming. And I'm just so grateful to have these interviews and get to interview such incredible experts like Amanda herself. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. 
Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home, and thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.